Psalm 139. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all of my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in and behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day for darkness as as light to you. For you created my innermost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. If only you, God, would slay the wicked. Away from me, you who are bloodthirsty. They speak of you with evil intent. Your adversaries misuse your name. Do I not hate those who hate you, Lord? and abhor those who are in rebellion against you. I have nothing but hatred for them. I count them my enemies. Search me, O oh God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. May God bless the reading of his holy word. You are known by God. That's, that's the point of today's sermon. You are known by the one true living God. He knows you by name. He knows you better than you know yourself. Have you ever heard of a man named Joseph Friedman? Anybody ever heard of him? Joseph Friedman? He's a pretty influential person. In 1937, he was sitting at his brother's soda shop, watching his daughter try to drink a milkshake. And 
His young daughter was really struggling to enjoy her beverage through this straight paper straw that she could barely reach. And her father, Joseph Friedman, was an inventor, and he tried to think of a way to help her drink her milkshake better. So he inserted a screw into the straw, wrapped around, wrapped floss around it, and created like a ribbed texture to it. And when he took the screw out, the straw naturally bent over the rim of the glass, and his daughter was able to drink her milkshake a whole lot easier. Joseph Friedman was the inventor of the bendable straw, which is a pretty great invention, if you ask me. It's just one example of probably millions or more stories of people who have impacted our lives in ways small or big that most of these people, we have no idea who they are, what their names are, but someone was used to do an amazing thing, even as simple as a bendable straw. And that's why I come back to what the thing I just said a minute ago. Each of us are known by God because a lot of us go through life fairly anonymous to one another or unknown. And I don't think any of us deep down wants to go through life anonymous. You know, think about the last time you walked into a room where no one knew you. You're a fresh face, fresh person walking into a room. Maybe you're saying, I'm an introvert and I'm totally fine with that because no one's gonna come up and talk to me. I'm kind of that way sometimes. It's kind of nice to just sit in the corner of a room and maybe not have the fear of someone coming up to you and you know, engaging in a long conversation. But after that moment passes, each of us really desires to be known, to have someone that knows your name and even deeper knows who you are, knows what you like, what you don't like, knows what your passions are, things that are you've struggled with. It's good to be known. And this doesn't, and I'm not talking about the desire to be famous. You know, there's plenty of stories out there about the difficulties of everybody knowing who you are. You know, being a globally famous person, for instance, that has its downfalls, because then you can never get away from people. Everybody knows your name. But what about being known? Just being known uh, that builds into your identity that gives you life, that brings you energy, that brings freedom, that empowers you to, to live life to the fullest. And again, many of us go through our lives today and very rarely have that feeling of being known. Psalm 139, which Pam just read for us, resoundingly reminds us that there is no such thing as a truly anonymous person no such thing because each one of us is known by God we are loved by God Jesus says that even the hairs on our head are numbered however many of them we have and so what does this mean for each and every one of us today today we're gonna just look at a couple of different ways of what it means to be known by God. What is Psalm 39 really trying to communicate to us? And why, is it, why does it matter for us today? Because it's a beautiful psalm. Why does it matter that there is no such thing as an anonymous person? What does it mean to be known by God? First thing, it reminds us that we are never in need of too much. 
being known by God means that we never can need too much. Have you ever felt that way? Like you've, you've, you've needed too much from somebody and you felt like an inconvenience or felt like you were asking something that maybe was too much. And sometimes we even qualify ourselves by saying, I know this might be asking a lot, but, and then you ask a request. Psalm 139 reminds us that we are actually never that way before God because he truly knows us. Verses one through six of Psalm 139 really show this for us. It, it starts by saying, oh Lord, you have searched me and known me. That's the summary statement. You are known by God because he searches you. He knows you inside and out. But then it goes in through all these different ways to basically drive home the point that we can never need too much from God. Verse one, it says, God searches us. Let me just go through these verses just quickly. Verse one, it says, God searches us, which means in the most non-creepy way possible, God has access to every single part of you. Mentally, emotionally, spiritually, psychologically, God has access to that. He's there. He knows you in each of those ways. He goes into us and our truest self looks us over and then discovers what we truly need. God searches us. Verse two, it says God discerns our thoughts, which means he doesn't just know our thoughts, but he, he discerns them. He thinks about them. He analyzes them. He, he worries over them for us. Not that he worries, but you know what I mean? He's, he's thinking over them so much that he's, he's really digging into what our thoughts are. He knows the motivations behind our thoughts and he contemplates them and thinks about what's best for us because of those thoughts. Verse three, it says that he searches out our path. I think that's really talking about our future. If you're going on a path, it means he's, he's gone before you and he knows everything that will come your way. He's, he's like Google Maps to the extreme. If you type in an address on Google Maps today, you know, you'll see like the the blue, which means there's no traffic. There's the yellow, which means, well, you might have a little bit of traffic. And then there's the red, which means you're gonna be sitting still for a little while, which if you live in Salem, you know exactly what I mean, because there's a lot of red in Salem, especially in the summer and the fall. But God knows what difficulties will come your way. He knows what stops and starts will go beyond, will be on your future path. He searches it out. He finds the best, best path for you. like. Salem during the month of October. You don't want to be driving down Washington Street in October in Salem, so you better go around the other paths. God does that for us in our life. He goes before us and searches out our path. God is, verse 3, acquainted with all of our ways, meaning he doesn't just go before us in the future like Google Maps, but he goes, he's been in our past. He knows what sins, what brokenness, what joys, what passions, what trials we've gone through and he takes that into account when caring for us verse four this is this is the one that made me pause a couple of times this week verse four even before a word is on my tongue behold O lord you know it altogether. meaning that god knows what we're going to say before we even say it that's how well he knows our thoughts you, you've all had these moments probably where you said 
I, I'm going to say something, but I just can't quite figure out how to say it. I'm thinking of something, but I just can't quite get it out. God knows what we will say before we will say it. You know, so therefore, just before we pray, God already knows what's on the tip of your tongue, so to speak. He knows you that well. And so therefore, and I'll get into this later in the sermon, but whenever you have something to pray, just say it to God. That's what the Psalms show us all over. Just say it, because God already knows what you need. He already knows what you need to pray. He already knows what you're going to speak. Just say it. Be true to what your thoughts are and pray it, because God knows what you're going to say before you say it. Verse 5, a beautiful verse. It says, you hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. It's just a beautiful way of saying that God cares for us well. He comprehensively knows us. Again, in the least creepy way possible, he knows you better than your doctor, better than your therapist, better than your counselor, better than your pastor, better than yourself. God knows you, and he hems you in and cares for you. Therefore, you can never need too much. Anything you need, pray for it, because God wants you to pray with confidence and boldness and with the trust that he will answer. I think we can guilt ourselves into thinking that maybe we don't, we don't need as much as we actually do. You know, I, I, I've heard people say, and I've caught myself doing this sometimes, where it's, you know, I, like there are things that I need, but other people need so much more than I do. You know, if you go to Africa and these little children who are malnourished or don't have good drinking water, they, I'm going to pray for them instead. And I want to encourage you, please pray for that child in Africa or pray for people that God burdens you with. But please don't, don't forget to pray for yourself. Don't forget to bring your biggest needs to God because he wants to answer those prayers because he knows what you need. He cares for you that deeply. You can never need too much with God because he knows you that well. Here's a, a line from from John Newton, a hymn writer. It's, it's got vowels in it, but it, it rhymes and it, it's a beautiful, a beautiful hymn here. It says this, thou art coming to a king, large petitions with thee bring, for his grace and power are such, none can ever ask too much. It's a beautiful way of just saying, bring your biggest prayers to God because he is a king who is able to answer the deepest, biggest prayers of your life. Ask him. None can ever ask too much. Large petitions with you bring. Pray big prayers. Second thing I think we can learn about what it means to be known by God in this passage, verses 7 through 10. If you want to just let your eyes go there. Um, we are never truly alone at any point in life. You could be out in the middle of the most vast wilderness, and some of you have had this experience because I know you're hikers or campers or just people that like to get away. You can be literally all by yourself, no one else around you, and you're not alone. You can be going through the most difficult pain or trauma in your life, and you're never alone. You could just have the greatest thing happen to you and be being filled with joy and celebration and look around and there's nobody celebrating with you because they don't quite get it. And you can have a little sadness because like, I wish someone could feel that. 
someone does. God is with you wherever you go. A lot of you probably know these verses, but it, you know, beginning with verse 7, it says, Where shall I go from your spirit? Where shall I flee from your presence? And it basically goes on for the next three verses to say, If I go here, you're there. If I go here, you're there. If I go there, you're here. Everywhere I am, you are. And it's true. God's presence is omnipresent. His spirit is omnipresent. He is everywhere. He can be everywhere. And that's unfathomable. That's totally unique. God is that powerful. God's spirit is omnipresent. He's everywhere at all times, fully present and available to you. He is fully accessible to you just as you are fully accessible to him. Remember how I said earlier that he can have access to every part of you? The counter is also true. Every part of him is accessible to you through Christ, through the Holy Spirit. God's presence exists to care for you. That's why he can be everywhere at all times. That's why his spirit is omnipresent, so that he can care for you. In verse 8, he's there for you in your, in your most hellish moments. You know, it says here in my version, if I make my bed in Sheol, I think when Pam read it said, if I make my bed in the depths, basically meaning if I'm in hell, if I am in the worst, lowest spot, you're there. You're with me. He's there for you in your highest moments. If I, make, if I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, you're there. He's there to lead you and to hold you. Lead you, meaning that you never have to walk into something truly by yourself. Verse 10, even there your right hand shall lead me. And he's there to hold you, meaning that you never have to experience something truly by yourself. He's walking into whatever you're walking into with you. You're never alone. The third thing about being known by God is that if you look at verses 11 through 18, just continuing to progress through the psalm here, not only uh, are you never alone, but uh, we can never take God by surprise. I mentioned at the beginning of the service, um, outside on our sign, we've put three kind of new words that we're starting to live into a little bit more, curiosity, community, and surprise. And um, the one that people ask me the most about, either in the church or people on the sidewalk or people that come into the building and read that sign, the, people, the, the, one, that, the one that always kind of strikes people is that word surprise. What do you mean you're a, a church of surprise? Uh, it's a little threatening when you think about it. It's like, what does that mean? A balloon's going to fall in when I walk inside? <laughs> what does that mean? It's a church of surprise. And what I explain to them is that the good news of Jesus is the greatest soul surprise we can have that the resurrection takes us by surprise because it, it always catches us when we need it the most. And what these verses, verses 11 to 18, are saying is that as God surprises us with Jesus, with the good news of the gospel, with his death on the cross for us, as surprising as that is, we nothing we can ever do can take God by surprise. Which, when you think more about it, is a deeply comforting thought. Because... Imagine yourself in the scenario once again where you're walking into a room where you're, you're unknown. No one knows your name. No one recognizes your face. You're, a, you're an anonymous person. When you're not known, it's pretty easy to surprise someone. 
because you don't know anything else about them. They don't recognize you and therefore they don't anticipate anything. Like if you're walking into a room with 50 people, you don't know anybody, you could do anything to surprise them because they have nothing, they have no knowledge of you at all. They, they don't know what you're like. So maybe you're just a, a loud person and people don't know that. And the first time you're loud, that takes everybody by surprise. It's pretty easy to, be, to surprise someone when you're not known. But what Psalm 39 shows us is that God knows us so well that it's impossible for us to take him by surprise because he knows us so well. Nothing we can do can take him by surprise. Verse 13 says that it shows us that God made us from the very beginning. He formed our inward parts. He knitted you together in your mother's womb. Meaning he is the potter, you are the clay. Everything about you he knows deeply. So nothing is a surprise to him. Nothing you're going through, no question you have, no doubt you have, no trial you've gone through is a surprise to him. And in fact, that's a lot of what faith is, is when you have faith, you can then say, God knows me so well, and even though this is so painful what I'm going through or so damaging, I can still trust that because he knows me so well, this isn't a surprise to him, and therefore this is actually somehow for my good. That's what faith really is when you go that far down the line, which is a mature place to get, and it takes time to get there. But it's a really encouraging thing when you think about it. Not only did God make you from the beginning and form you in your mother's womb, but verses 14 and 15 shows us that not only did he make you, but he made you very well. You are a quality product. You are not deficient in any way. You are fearfully and wonderfully made, verse 14. Verse 15, you are intricately woven. Nothing about you is a mistake. You are purposeful. You are not a cheap knockoff version of a human. And sometimes in our lowest moments, we can think, why does that person seem to be the Rolex of humans and I seem to be the, the streets of New York version of the Rolex? You are not a cheap counterfeit. You are well made, purposefully made. You are the prototype of you. You are one in a million, better than one in a million. You are uniquely you. You are that well known by God. And not only that, but verse 16, God made you the way you are. Nothing surprises him. He made you as you are for the days that you have in life. Verse 16, it says, you saw my unformed substance in your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me. Do you see that? God made you for the days that you're going to live. Meaning, once again, nothing is surprising. Purposeful, intentional living. Your life was formed for you, not the other way around. You don't have to adjust to the world. In fact, when you're living as God designed you to live, life adjusts to you, and therefore life is lived to the fullest. That's a great thought. That really stuck out to me this week of, wow, I, I was created for this moment, for these times, to live in God's ways, and that is how life is meant to be. I wasn't meant to live 
when the pyramids were built in Egypt. I wasn't meant to live 100 years from now when we're flying spaceships around Mars. I was meant for today, for the craziness of today. That's, this is the moment for us. You are meant to be in Salem, in this church at this moment, for purposes that we don't know, but God knows, because it doesn't take him by surprise. You are designed for your life perfectly. The terrain you walk has nothing in it that is too much for you. Your mind, your feet, your heart, all of it was made for the life that you're living. And therefore, we should live continually in surprise of God's wonderful grace and love. Verse 17 and 18, that's where the psalmist gets to today. He says, how precious to me are your thoughts, O God. O God, how vast is the sum of them. If I could count them, they are more than the sand. I awake and I'm still with you. You can hear the surprise in that now of, wow, what a life. I'm awake and you're still here with me, God. May that be a great way we could wake up each of our days. God, I'm here. You made me for this moment. I am uniquely me. And life can be wonderful in your presence. And the last point I want to get to is verse 19 to 24. You heard the tone change when Pam read these last verses because they kind of stick out at first because he's in this surprising, like, like God is amazing. I'm, I'm made for this moment. And then verse 19, oh, that you would slay the wicked, oh God, oh, men of blood, depart from me. And you're like, whoa, that's coming out. Where's that coming from, David? That seems, that seems a little dark. It seems a little wicked. Um, the last point, being known by God means that we are never too messed up for God. David, again, remember when I said earlier, you just pray what you're feeling because God can handle it. No, nothing is too much. David's doing that. <laughs> He's, God, I hate these people. They are terrible. That's, he's just letting it out there. He's trusting God with that prayer. And it's a messed up prayer. I'm going to admit it. But if I could get into the depths of your soul, my guess is you've probably prayed prayers like that too. Because I know I have. I've prayed pretty pretty wicked, dark prayers myself. And these first couple of verses, 19, 20, 21, 22, filled with hatred. Um, he's telling God, God, just zap these people. They are terrible. They're messed up prayers. They're prayers clearly allowing his sin to overcome him, recognizing that you know, we live in a broken world where sin is part of our curse. David here shows us his sins clearly. He hates his enemies. He really wants other image bearers of God to be killed, um, which God does not desire. Um, but then he catches himself, verse 23. And he says, you know, God, search me again. Know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. See if there be any grievous way in me and lead me into the way everlasting. What he shows us here is that, yes, we have sins. Yes, we have brokenness. Yes, our honest prayers can come out totally sideways and twisted, but we're never too messed up for God. He's not surprised by us. He cares for us well. He knows us. We're not a mistake. And God wants us, even with those prayers, to come to him. God deals with our messed upness 
with more grace. Because when we offer ourselves to him to be searched, God will show us the wicked corners of our life, but then he will lead us in the way everlasting. That's the ultimate prayer. You know, we, we read this book in Sunday school in the fall uh, called Gentle and Lowly. And there's a, there's a line in that book where it's talking about the heart of Jesus. And the author says this about God. He says, the things about you that make you cringe the most make God hug you the hardest. Do you feel the grace in that line? The things about you that you, you look in the corners of your life and say, ah, oh, I hate that about myself. That's cringeworthy. I, I hate that I have that thought or that I have that tendency. That's the place where God hugs you the hardest and says, I can deal with it. I love you. I know you intimately. That's why I sent Jesus, he tells us at that moment, is so that that sin doesn't have to be your final answer. I sent Jesus to take on your penalty so that they don't have to be yours anymore. That thought, that sin does not define you anymore. You can never be too messed up for God. And that, that draws my heart to Jesus anew. It draws my heart to love him more because I see that he gave his life for mine. And that's why when Paul says in 1 Corinthians 8, verse 3, he says, if anyone loves God, he is known by God. That's what he's getting at. And to be known by God means that you don't have to live your life by being defined by any of these things. And he even points forward to the day, 1 Corinthians 13, he points forward to the day where he says, for now we see in a mirror dimly, but one day we will see him face to face. Now I know only in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. We can experience being known by God in part today through his presence, through his word, through the Holy Spirit, through the community of the church. But one day we will see him face to face and he will tell us eye to eye how known we are. He, he's going to tell us the story of how we came to be. Hey, I remember when I, when I made you. I made you for these moments. And I loved watching you go through the moments of life to see you discover true life. And now look where you are. You're with me in heaven. And we can celebrate this forever. That's what it means to be known by God. So just to close, um, do you guys see the pictures released by NASA this week? of the universe. NASA, they've been using this telescope, the James Webb telescope, that have the first images of the unseen universe, infrared, just dynamic photos of, of the universe, 10 million light years away, apparently. Just seeing the depths and the deepness and the vastness of the universe. And I, if you haven't seen those, I encourage you. It's, they're pretty easy to find. Google NASA photos and boom, there they are. But to see the look on the faces of the astrophysicists who are releasing these photos this week, they were in shock and in, they were marveling at the vastness of the universe and that we could see it. That we can, we can see and know for the first time what the universe looks like that far away. And as a Christian, it just makes you take a step back too and say, 
the God that created all that knows me better than I can know myself. I name every hair on your head, every thought, every action, he cares for you. God loves you. God knows you. May that inspire you and, and carry you forward this week. May it change the way you live and change the way you pray. And let me pray for us now as we close our service. God, thank you for knowing us. Uh, I'm just, I'm humbled today by your word, by, by the vastness of your care for us, by the, by the personal care of us, personal care of me. Thank you. Thank you for, for making me. Thank you for making these people. Thank you for giving us purpose. Um, help us to encourage one another when we forget that. Help us to remind each other that you are known by God. You are not an anonymous person. None of us are anonymous. We are known by you, designed to be in relationship with you. So would you transform our hearts now? Help us to see you even more clearly. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We're going to stand and sing one last song. Uh, it's called The Everlasting Love of God. And it's, just a, it's got a beautiful kind of contemplative rhythm to it. I just ask you maybe to sing this as a prayer, recognizing the love of God for you. Let's sing. <laughs>